0: Hello, Varminians. This is Paul. You know, Donna and I are coming up on our 100th episode. I can't believe it. And for the 100th episode, we're going to do something really special. First off, we have a contest for you, the listener, the cell phone photo backyard wildlife contests. Take a picture of some wildlife in your backyard, at a zoo, at your nature preserve, with your cell phone and send it to us. First prize is going to get a varmints prize pack, including an original signed piece of artwork of your favorite varmint by Blazing Caribou Studios podcaster and artist Phil Rude. Second and third prizes are going to get some cool stuff as well. We have very specific rules, so go to blazingcariboustudios.com slash varmints contest. That's blazingcariboustudios.com slash varmints contest. Or if you're a member of the varmints discussion group on Facebook, we'll post the rules there as well. And we'll announce the winners of that contest on our 100th episode, where we'll be talking about emus, and we'll be joined by Corbin Maxey. Corbin Maxey is a nationally recognized animal nerd, biologist, and television personality. He's been on some television shows you might have heard of, The Today Show, Late Night with Seth Meyers, Inside Edition, and The Martha Stewart Show. We're really looking forward to episode 100, and we hope you are too.
1: You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. Now, class, Mr. Tiger will show us how Kellogg's Sugar Frosted Flake cereal starts out. Is the flake real? It's a cornfield. Kellogg's toast corn into golden flakes and adds a secret frosting. Helps keep them extra crunchy and delicious. It's part of your good breakfast and tastes.
2: I know. Great. Sit down and breakfast with Tony and you'll discover why it's great. Mr. Tiger, you're wonderful.
1: (laughs) Oh, shucks.
0: Hello, and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep-crawl, slither-fly-jump-up-and-swim-on-this-planet-one-animal-at-a-time. My name is Paul. I'm not an animal expert.
3: I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. Today we are talking about RAR the Tiger.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but first, the news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. You know, when you put tigers into the search engine in Google, you either get news about the Detroit Tigers Baseball Club, or you get really, really, really bad news about tigers. Uh, So this is the best news that I could find about a tiger, and it's about a tiger cub that was found in a duffel bag on the U.S.-Mexico border. Hmm. The tiger was abandoned by smugglers in Brownsville, Texas, and he was taken to the nearby Gladys Porter Zoo. The zoo contacted InSync Exotics in Wiley, Texas, and they are housing the cat permanently. The Border Patrol said that the tiger had been abandoned by three men who fled back across the border after crossing into the U.S. illegally. The tiger is now named Kenobi. He arrived at his new Collin County home, and he quickly met his new tiger cub playmate, called Kylo Ren. <laughs> he's a little bit shy because he's never been used to uh, being outside, but he's eating well, he's drinking well, he's playing with toys, he's very interested in getting to know Kylo Ren, and he's probably going to be okay. Aw, poor little guy. He's he's okay. He's I mean, he, he, he would be better out in the wild. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but he's he is at least not dead.
3: He's made it to a good place.
0: Yes. So animal trafficking both ways across the border has been a real big problem in recent years. Tigers are a sought-after species that people want as pets. Sanctuary spokeswoman Angela Culver said, People just don't think about it from the animal's perspective. It's a very selfish thing. We've had several cats who have been victims of wildlife trafficking. People realize that it's a bad idea, and then we get called in. Mm Mm-hmm. When the six-month-old cub was first found in the bag, his body temperature was really, really elevated. He was extremely dehydrated, but he's doing much better now. The facility that he's in houses dozens of wild cats and uh, a few other residents who were also smuggled across the border.
3: Uh, Poor kitty. Poor kitty. Yeah, poor kitty.
0: We're going to talk about that problem a little bit later on, of people uh, wanting tigers as pets.
3: Yep a really bad idea just for <laughs> spoiler <laughs> spoiler <terrible> alert idea.
0: <laughs> don't do that <laughs> oh shouldn't but, laugh at that it's it's bad
3: no it's very bad it's very bad just a reminder everybody go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode we're also on twitter and instagram at, at varmints podcast all one word and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. I run a Pinterest board for every animal, and that link will be at the bottom of our show notes of each episode. We also have merchandise at tpublic.com. Just put varmints into the search engine, and you'll come up with all sorts of stuff with our logo on it, which is done by Imran Javed.
0: It's really cool. So, we're
3: everywhere podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the best way to help us grow. So, tell everybody about us.
0: All right, you ready to learn about tigers? I'm
3: so ready to learn about some tigers.
0: Hey! Hey! Let's go get educated on some animals. (laughs) I know you wanna. We are getting educated on some tigers today. Mm -hmm. The tiger is an apex predator and the largest cat species in the world. Tiger populations used to range all across southern Asia, but over the last hundred years the tigers have lost about 93% of their original habitat. Tigers are found in Southeast Asia, the Indian subcontinent, Indochina, and far eastern Russia. Tigers are very, very recognizable and one of the most beloved animals in the world. So it's a large muscular cat with a large head, a long tail, very dense heavy fur that varies between shades of orange and brown and white, with distinctive vertical black stripes that are unique in each individual. There are six living subspecies of tiger, the Bengal tiger, the Siberian tiger, the Indo-Chinese tiger, the South China tiger, The Sumatran tiger and the Malayan tiger. The Sumatran tiger is the smallest. Those tigers are about 6 feet or 1.8 meters in length and can weigh up to 270 pounds or 120 kilograms. Those are the little guys. Male Siberian tigers, however, can grow up to more than 10.5 feet long or 3.3 meters and weigh up to 660 pounds or about 300 kilograms. They are very, very strong and fast. An adult tiger can run short bursts of 30 to 40 miles an hour. Wow. Males are called tigers. Females are called tigresses. Tigresses. (laughs) And baby tigers are called cubs. A group of tigers is called a streak or an ambush. (laughs) And the word tiger comes from the Greek word tigris, which probably originated from a Persian word meaning arrow, so something that is very fast, very deadly, and at the time, uh, probably a lot more numerous.
3: Yeah, pretty likely. Yeah. Have you ever wondered why tigers have stripes?
0: Donna, Hmm. why do tigers have stripes?
3: Well, (laughs) (laughs) tigers have stripes to help break up the outline of their body and make it hard to see them. And they also look like shadows as they stalk through the long grass in the moonlight. And they have striped skin, not just striped fur. Like you said, the stripes are like fingerprints, and no two tigers have the same pattern. And uh, it's, it's pretty cool that they have that. And they're also that orange color, which I'll just mention as an aside. Remember, we were talking about how orangutans probably blend into the background? Because a lot of animals are red, green, colorblind. Same thing goes here. A lot of the species that the tiger hunts can't actually see the orange of the tiger. Oh, wow. (laughs) But um, for a long time, the explanation for how people thought that tigers got their stripes was called the morphogen theory. But the, there's some stuff that seems like it's going to add to that. So I'm going to try to just sum this up because it's a genetic thing. But it's pretty interesting, and I want you to go read the entire article that we're going to put in the show notes so you can kind of get a better feel for what's going on. Okay. But I thought this was interesting because when science sort of goes forward, sometimes you have to go, well, is the old theory good still? And and we kind of just don't know. But <laughs> So the morphogen theory says that the proteins that control traits – are arranged in gradients with different amounts of proteins activating genes to create a specific physical feature, okay? Okay. Um, And this theory was put forth in the 50s by Alan Turing, who was the World War II codebreaker. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, he was also into a lot of biological stuff. Um,
0: Whoa, I didn't know that.
3: Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Because especially with, with genetics, it's all to do with math and patterns and stuff, so...
2: Wow. (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. But now biologists are raising some questions about this theory. And the theory contends that the physical features are necessarily tied to absolute concentrations of proteins within the morphogen gradient. So what that means is that if there is a certain critical mass of proteins present, then a given physical feature will develop. Like they're saying in the article, for instance, the skin on your forehead. But if there's the less than critical mass of the proteins, it'll make a different structure. For instance, the skin that makes your eyebrows, that kind of thing. It's sort of, they're saying that the theory is that that it varies based on the gradient of proteins, like like how it's going to work. So Okay. um, But now, the alternate views are that physical features are not necessarily the result of a specified number of proteins but instead come from the interactions between multiple gradients of proteins that work against one another. So that's what they're thinking is happening with the stripes, is that at the genetic level, the gradients of proteins for the uh, orange sections and the black sections, or or the white and the black sections, depending on what tiger you have, are running into each other, and that's what's causing the difference in the color. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, essentially, this is a pretty, like, it's a good article, but you really need to sit down and read it closely to kind of understand what they're saying. But what they're trying to say is that, in other words, contrary to Turing's theory, a single gradient of proteins does not have enough power to form the same body plan in each member of a species. But if there are multiple gradients of these proteins working against each other, then the system is robust enough for normal Development, and so this doesn't falsify his theory. It just they they just think it might need some additional refinement. And we're gonna post the article in there, as I said, for you guys to read. But as far as genetic science is concerned, this is important not just for tigers, but it's learning how DNA works to to how how proteins in particular work to form specific physical features, which can only be a benefit in medicine and in our understanding of biology.
0: Very cool. That happens in science a lot where somebody will have a theory and over time, either that theory winds up being completely wrong or it's they're on the right track. It just needs to be tweaked a little bit.
3: Yeah. Yep.
0: That's really cool.
3: Yeah, very cool. And I thought it was a little bit, little bit complex for our show. We don't normally do that, the into the deep into the DNA stuff, but this is pretty interesting. So you know, you guys are smart. You can figure it out. Let's just go read the article and you'll you'll see how cool it is.
0: Very cool. You have two cats. Mhm. What's it like giving them a bath?
3: Uh, we don't give them baths.
0: You don't give them baths at all? Have, have you ever attempted to give them a bath?
3: We did when they were kittens. We tried to train them to like water, but they don't, so... <laughs>
0: Well, of all the big cats, tigers are the swimmiest. Is that a word?
3: Uh, It is now.
0: They love the water. Lions and panthers, before you write in and and give us an email, yes, they sometimes swim, but they only do it when it's absolutely necessary, and usually, like, flooding will force lions and panthers to swim to dry land. But tigers have, have adapted over time to be in the water a whole lot. Part of this has to do with where they live. The average temperatures in India, for instance, in the summertime are between 90 and 104 degrees or about 32 to 40 degrees Celsius with extremely high humidity. So when the weather gets like that here in Florida, people head for the beaches, they head for the swimming pools so that they can cool off. Well, what if you're a four or five hundred pound tiger with lots of surface area and you're covered with fur? You do the same thing. And that's the main reason tigers love being in the water so much. They do most of their hunting at night when it's a bit cooler and that conserves some energy and then during the day they digest their food, they lay around, and they just get in all the ponds and lakes and and swim around and have fun. Tigers have also been observed swimming for no reason at all, just for fun. They just love being in the water.
3: Well, they certainly do at the zoo. I don't know if they do in the wild, but yeah.
0: In our zoo here, in our local zoo here, we have two tigers and they are constantly in the water. (laughs) yeah they love it
3: i think we have two we used to have two we might only have one now but he is huge (laughs) and constantly in the water yep and i've got some pictures that i'll try and find of right up he was leaning right up against the glass last time i visited and they're so big oh my god you cannot believe
0: oh they're massive
3: they're way bigger than you ever think they will be you know
0: (laughs) they are they, now, is the water deep enough for them to actually swim at your mm-hmm. zoo? Okay. Yeah, so they, I think so. Yeah, they, they can swim really, really well. They have very strong bodies. They've adapted webbed paws. They've been recorded to cross rivers as wide as 18 miles. Dang. And go for nine-mile stretches in open water.
3: You suppose the the crocodilians are like, okay, get out of the way of that. I don't want any part of that.
0: (laughs) Listen, there are crocodiles that share the same habitat as tigers. Generally, they leave each other alone unless there's a drought and the two animals are in closer quarters than normal and they're competing for prey. Right. But more often than not, tigers will swim in waters where there are crocodiles without any problems at all. Hmm. Aside from swimming as a mode of transportation or just to have fun... Tigers also swim as a hunting advantage. So they might chase their prey into the water in order to trap it, prey that doesn't swim. Right. They exit the water and the combination of the wet fur and the wind has kind of a nice cooling evaporative effect and when they dry out, they just jump back in again. Yay. Like your cat at home though, tigers do not like getting their head and eyes wet at all. (laughs) So they always, they never dive down. They always have their heads above water, and it's not uncommon for a tiger to enter the water backwards so that they don't get their heads wet.
3: <laughs>
0: there is okay. a YouTube clip I'm going to put in the show notes of a tiger who is retrieving his kill from a, a crocodile, and he has to swim out into the middle of this lake to get this deer that he killed away from this crocodile, and he's dragging this 250-pound deer through the water with his head above water the whole time, and it's really Oh, holy amazing. smokes. Yeah. Yeah. It's something else.
3: (laughs) That's incredible.
0: They really are. They're such cool animals.
3: They are. They're super cool.
2: Disclaimer
0: time.
1: The Farmers Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves. So, they're going to do it Anyway.
0: Okay, so I'm going to be grumpy for a minute. (sighs) Sometimes when you're doing research for a show, you come across articles that are just dumb. And so (laughs) I ran across this article from The Telegraph, and the the article is titled, Tigers are brainier than lions, which would lead you to believe that tigers are smarter than lions. Right. No. Uh, Basically what the article said is that tigers have bigger brains than lions but there's really no evidence to suggest that they're smarter. And the quote from the article says, because lions are in groups, they just beat up solitary animals like tigers, but then maybe tigers are intelligent enough to stay out of their way. The the problem with that is that their ranges don't overlap, and tigers and lions don't live together. And it's just a big nothing article.
3: I mean, but it was thousands of years ago. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, there, I, I couldn't find anything actually scientific, just this one dumb article.
3: Yeah, and they didn't understand in the article that brain size is like not the thi- not a thing anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> now it's like brain to body ratio rather than right rather than brain size alone. So yeah, yeah, unfortunately, not a great article, but what are you gonna do?
0: Yeah, it's just what you run into sometimes when you do a show like this. The general consensus is that tigers aren't quite as smart as your dog. Right. And because they're apex predators, they don't have a lot of problem problem solving to do. They just Mm-mm. just not a thing they have to worry about. They can just sort of go through life and get what they need and and not have to worry about, you know, complex problem solving type of stuff. Mhm. So, yeah.
3: I think I'd put them at like a 6 cuz they do, you know, they are trainable and stuff and they are they're curious and uh, they can solve s- some puzzles but not I think it, in, in a wild environment they probably don't have to solve that many puzzles But, um, but something like a challenge like how to get a deer away from a crocodile and drag it to the shore without getting your head wet is probably that's the kind of puzzle <laughs> that this sort of predator yeah. is really good at solving which seems to me to be about a six right?
0: I'll go along with that on our weird little arbitrary scale five yeah, or six our our, sure.
3: our meaningless scale <laughs> <laughs> i put them five or six probably
0: fair enough yeah. well we are going to talk about tigers and pop culture and a few other things but we're going to do that right after this
3: hello it's heather from sunshine and power Cuts, the podcast that features two types of episodes which alternate The sunshine ones offer inspiration drawn from nature, but in the power cut ones, I share honest insights into my life living off the power grid in rural New Zealand. If you'd like to check it out, it can be found where good podcasts can be downloaded, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at sunpowerpod. Until then, be empowered by nature. Hey there everyone, Paul and Donna are a couple of nerds just like you, and they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often, so let's talk about where we all see them most of the time, on movies, TV, comic books, toys,
2: and video games.
0: So my pop culture pick for this week, uh, you heard in the intro, it is Tony the Tiger who is the advertising mascot for Kellogg's Frosted Flakes?
1: <laughs> Hello, there, uh, death, death Killer. Uh, welcome to the gym.
2: Gee, hey, you're Tony totally the Tiger.
1: That's right, from Kellogg's Sugar Frosted Flakes. Also, the boxing coach.
2: I'm gonna be a real fire coach.
1: Okay, Killer. The first thing is, put a tiger on your team with Kellogg's sugar-frosted flakes. They're crisp flakes of corn with a secret sugar frosting. Have them with milk or cream. They're jumping with energy. They're good. Good. They're great. Now, I'll steady the bag while you hit it. (laughs) This ought to be good. any more energy in that cereal and they can get themselves a new tiger sugar frosted flakes also come in kellogg's snack pack five of kellogg's ready sweet and favorites
0: (laughs) so that was a commercial from 1961 since his debut in 1952 the character has spanned several generations and tony the tiger has become a breakfast cereal icon In 1951, the Leo Burnett Advertising Agency was hired to create a campaign for Kellogg's new cereal, which was at the time called Sugar Frosted Flakes. Tony was originally one of four animated critters created to sell the cereal. The other three were Katie the Kangaroo, Newt the New, GNU, and Elmo the Elephant. And uh, Tony the Tiger won.
3: Well, he is super charismatic, so.
0: Super charismatic. Mm Mm-hmm. Not at first, though. Uh, Tony's original designer, he's a children's book illustrator called Martin Provenson, and he created this orange cat with black stripes and a blue nose who walked on all fours, and it was, frankly, it was kind of creepy. But like most celebrities, over time, Tony has undergone extensive cosmetic changes. <laughs> the most dramatic alteration occurred early in his career. He used to have a weird football-shaped head, and they kind of rounded it out and made it a little softer and then that was followed by a series of other little minor facelifts such as they changed his eye color from green to gold. Over time artists continued to sort of anthropomorphize Tony the Tiger so that he was still definitely a tiger but with very friendly human features including walking upright and wearing this red bandana around his neck. The one thing that didn't change for over 50 years was the voice of Tony the Tiger. From 1953 until his death in 2005, a guy called Thurl Ravenscroft, who also has an awesome name, provided all the voice work for Tony the Tiger. Now, if you don't know Thurl Ravenscroft and you've never heard Tony the Tiger before, uh, well, you just heard Tony the Tiger, (laughs) but he also did a lot of voice work for Disney. So from 1940 until 2005, his voice was in almost every Disney animated feature including the one that you're going to be talking about in a few minutes. Hey. You can go to Disneyland. You can still hear his voice work on many of the rides there, such as the Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean. He was also the uncredited singer of You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch and The Grinch Who Stole Christmas.
3: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. Kellogg's has since dropped the sugar off of sugar frosted flakes. They're just frosted flakes now. That's what they call them here in the U.S. The cereal has different names in different countries. But the one constant for all of these breakfast cereals since 1952 has been Tony the Tiger, who is one of the most recognizable advertising mascots in the whole world.
3: He sure is. They didn't remove the sugar, they just took it out of the name.
0: Exactly. <laughs> they might have added more sugar. Yeah, Those for things sure. are sweet. <laughs>
3: <sighs> like your head'll just pop right off oh, and then man. you eat them. <laughs> <They're> That's sweet. <laughs> All right, well, I'm gonna talk about this guy.
1: I can't help but notice there's this strange odor today. What is it, This scent that I'm on? I almost, almost think it was some kind of man cup. Mowgli belongs to my pack, Jericho. Mowgli? They've given it a name. <laughs> what was it? We came to adopt man into the jungle. He's just a cop. Does my face not remind you of what a grown man can do? Shift your hunting ground for a few years, and everyone forgets how the law works. Well, let me remind you. A man-cub becomes man, and man is forbidden!
3: Man is forbidden, dude! Wow. (laughs) That was Idris Elba in the most recent version of The Jungle Book, the live-action version that Disney did just a couple years ago. The Jungle Book is a book by Rudyard Kipling and Shere Khan is the main antagonist in this and other stories by rudyard kipling he's born with a crippled leg and he's derisively nicknamed Mungri, or the lame one by his mother and, but despite this setback, he becomes arrogant and regards himself as the rightful lord of the jungle.
0: Oh, wow. That was in the book version, right? Because I don't remember uh-huh. that in the movie. Yep. Okay.
3: Yep. Yep. According to the Kipling Society, the word share means tiger. And "Khan" is a title of distinction. So together, they're to show that he is the chief among tigers. And I looked it up, and the word share is, it's in Hindu, Punjabi, and I think Urdu. The word can mean both tiger and lion. So that's, oh, wow. That's basically based in truth. So, yeah, he was a uh, he was in these books. And then the, the books have been made into Disney's The Jungle Book and The Jungle Book 2, 1967. Uh, Shere Khan actually showed up in Tailspin, the Dis- Disney afternoon series, in a li- 1994 live action film. In something called Jungle Cubs, which was a 1996 Disney animated series. And then he also appeared in the Jungle Book Mowgli's Story as the villain in the 1998 production of that particular story. And then we have the 2016 live-action film that we just heard. So he first appears during a drought, and the animals are gathered to drink at Peace Rock, a watering hole where everybody goes. And there's a truce there that they're not going to devour each other while they're drinking their water. And the scene that you heard is when Shere Khan first sees Mowgli and then hijinks ensue. So yep, it is a, it's a very, he's a very scary villain, but I always loved him anyway. So,
0: Oh, he's one of the best <laughs> Disney villains of all time.
3: Yeah. And he has like a wolf pack that, that are his buddies. Yeah. Know? So it's sort of interesting. It's got a, got an interesting sort of little not reality kind of thing going on at all like these animals don't do this stuff but they also don't talk (laughs) (laughs) so if you haven't seen the most recent adaptation of the Jungle Book do go and rent it and and see it because it's really wonderful
0: yeah I really liked it too
3: yeah. I like it, was it really, really good. And I love the original Jungle Book too. It's perfectly wonderful, but the the most recent one is certainly a, a good a good redo, which doesn't happen all the time. So.
0: Right. And they do a really good job of making the tiger a really really good villain without vilifying all tigers, if that makes yes, any sense. Yes.
3: Exactly. Exactly. They do it without demonizing the species yeah. and uh that's I think really good. So yeah. a really good example of that.
0: Indeed. Yeah. I almost hate to do this.
1: Uh, so, hey, are you going to eat that?
0: Nope. Ugh. I was thinking about the Hammerhead Sharks episode you did with Tove, which I really liked. And you mentioned in that episode that, hypothetically... If there were enough hammerhead sharks and you, you, you could eat one, would you? And I, uh, I think if that were true of tigers, I still wouldn't eat one. I, 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 cats are just not in the food box for me.
3: No, I mean, there, there's something about land predators that I just haven't eaten other land predators in my life and just, I don't enjoy them too much. I, I just don't think that that's <laughs> what you want to eat. I think mostly you want to eat the stuff that eats grass and stuff.
0: Yeah. So yeah, definitely tigers.
3: I just don't think it tastes very good.
0: Part of the problem is that uh, people are eating tigers. Are they? Yeah. Let me play this. Paul, Donna, it's me, Tove. Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Of course it is. Let's help you win that next trivia night, or just sound smarter than the rest of the room. With this, the animal fact of the week. We've mentioned it a couple of times, and unfortunately, we can't really do an episode about tigers without telling you about how much trouble they're in. Yep. Originally, there were nine subspecies of tigers, and in the last 80 years, three of those species have become extinct. And it has been predicted that all tigers may become extinct in the wild within the next decade, which is really sad. Yep. Poaching, habitat loss, fragmentation have reduced the global populations of tigers greatly. In the 1900s, there were about 100,000 wild tigers. Today, only four of the remaining subspecies of tigers are considered endangered by the IUCN, while two of the subspecies are considered critically endangered. The total number of all the wild populations of the six remaining subspecies of tigers is estimated to be between 3,000 to 4,000 tigers. There are more tigers in captivity in the United States than there are wild ones in their native habitat.
3: Yep. I think we talked about that on the Lions episode, too. Did we? We talked about the wildlife sanctuary here in Keensburg.
0: Oh, it's nuts. Mm -hmm. There are about 5,000 tigers captive in the U.S. Most of them are in Texas. And that's not a good thing.
3: No, it's a terrible, terrible thing. They're so mistreated, too. It's not like... I mean, there's just no way to take care of an animal that size unless you have, like animal sanctuaries do, several acres of land and people bringing in food. And, I mean, they've got to have places to roam. They can't be sitting in a cage all day. It's just, it's not good. And they get very aggressive. They have large teeth and large claws. Oh, yeah. And when they become sexually mature, they just become too much to handle. And uh, it's just such a mistake. And I don't know why people think this is going to be a good idea, because it it just never is.
0: It never is. And it's shocking how easy to obtain a wild tiger is. Mm -hmm. In some states, it's easier to buy a tiger than it is to adopt a dog from a local animal shelter. Yep. Yeah, as you've kind of alluded to, there's a lot of captive tigers that are owned by people who just have them as status symbols. They don't really know how to care for them properly. They don't give them... The proper space and the proper nutrition that they need um and and some of those people will say that they're actually saving the tiger from being poached or from being hunted in the wild Mm. i I don't think one is better than the other
3: yeah and that's not what they're doing (laughs) yeah no because those ones aren't in the wild
0: right They belong in the wild. Those are
3: born from captive tigers that have never, ever been in the original habitat. So they're just increasing the problem.
0: Right. So here's what's happening to the tigers. Now, Bengal tigers account for half of all tigers in the world. They are poached for their parts that are used in traditional medicine. Mm. Indochinese tigers are also poached, but they've also had their habitats fragmented by building and road construction. In Malaysia, there is a very active market for tiger meat and manufactured, again, tiger bone traditional medicines. So that means that the Malayan tiger is in a lot of trouble, just like all
3: tigers.
0: (sighs) Siberian tigers, poaching again, habitat loss from development, intensive logging, they're super threatened. So those tigers are listed as endangered by the IUCN. South China tigers and Sumatran tigers are the ones that are listed as critically endangered. Nobody has observed a wild South China tiger in about 20 years, Aww. and it's assumed that the less than 100 living South China tigers are all kept in Chinese zoos. Wow. Yeah. Sumatran tigers, they have a very small range to begin with, and they're falling victim to poaching, and also palm oil plantations are expanding, and that threatens the uh, the tiger's habitat. It's also really messing with the orangutans, too. Yep. Researchers think that there are about 400 wild Sumatran tigers left, which is not a whole lot.
3: No, that's that's a very small amount.
0: Yes, and it's all humans' fault. It's our fault. We did this to the tigers. If you want to help out tigers, I was looking around at charitable organizations. There's one called Panthera. It's the only organization in the world that is devoted exclusively to the conservation of the world's 40 wildcat species and their ecosystems. I looked it up on Charity Navigator. They're very, very highly rated, super transparent about where their money goes. And so we'll put links to that in the show notes so that you can go there and get a lot of great information about tigers and other big cats. You can give donations. You can help analyze wildlife photos, which if you've never done that before, it's super addictive. And most of all, you can read scientific publications until you turn blue. And you could really go down a great big educational rabbit hole with tigers because like of all the animals we talk about on this show we're just really scratching the surface on these guys they're super interesting
3: yep yep this we're never going to be able to do any of the animals that we talk about justice on our short little show so definitely go you know check these things out and learn all you can because they're not going to be around for much longer unless we really do something yep yeah, that's very sad well, on that note, <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry,
3: <laughs> well, i kind of wanted to talk about something that is kind of neat about tigers and Please it do that. has to do with how big they are, right? Yeah. Siberian tigers are the only large predator that is known to eat full grown bears on a regular basis. Oh,
0: man. <laughs> oh,
3: and I just wanted to mention that's not a huge fact, but. But there you go. They eat a lot of things, but they also eat bears. And these are specifically uh, black bears. But I am going to include a link in our show notes to a video of a tiger hunting and killing a bear. This is part of nature, so we're not going to put the video in the show notes. But... So you can you have to make sure that your kids are ready for the tooth and claw part of the tiger before watching this because this is what happens in the wild. Animals have to eat other animals to survive, and to do so, they must kill them. So yep, um, and it and it can be disturbing if you're not ready for that. So, um, but this is how nature is, and we have to respect it. And um, but uh, a bear is awfully big, so. To have an animal around on our planet that can take one down is pretty amazing, and it doesn't take them long either. It's just like a mama and her two cubs that are about halfway grown, and she's doing all the heavy lifting, obviously. <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, it didn't even take her very long. So you can imagine, like, the weight of that animal, how how enormous they are, that they would have to be to do that. So, oh yeah,
0: go listen incredible. to our black bear episode to get an idea.
3: Yes. Yep, for sure. So, yeah. But, sorry. Well, two bummer notes in the extra facts, but also kind of interesting. <laughs>
0: Very interesting. Well, that is our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Our show is brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo, as Donna mentioned, was created by Imran Jabed. Our vocal talent is Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Josh Hallmark, Chris Green, Andrea Freitas, Stacy, and Frosty, and we thank you, the Patreon supporter, for keeping our our little our little bodies above water. I don't know what I'm trying to say.
3: Our tiger buddies. Our tiger, in the water and our heads above.
0: Our tiger heads above water. Thank you so very much.
3: Now it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a rugrat who is eight years of age or younger, and they want to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varminspodcast at for details. We make it super easy for your rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. So give us a note and we will do it.
0: Definitely. This week's rugrat is Otis. Otis has something to say about tigers.
3: Otis.
2: What is your name? Uh, Otis. And your last name? Um, Otis Masters. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and we are here right now to talk about tigers, right? Yeah. I know about tigers. I <laughs> have a tiger. I have a tiger. <laughs> tigers are wear with black stripes. Bum, <laughs> 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 Tigers <laughs> are the baddest cats. Bum, bum, bum. Tigers eat meat. I have a tiger named Cheeto. Tigers are a dangerous species. Yes. Some tigers <laughs> ruin people with and oh.
0: Where do other tigers live?
2: Why is it up? Back on the backyard on this street? Now, I'm sing. Okay, sing all you want. Rather than bathroom this week, I got the tiger. There you go. We don't like tigers in our house. We don't want tigers in our house. <laughs> Where's my tiger named Tito? I'll find him. Where, does, where do you play with Tito? Uh, in the bathtub. Great. Oh. Do you have anything <laughs> else to <laughs> say about tigers? I like Barbara's cast cast. Okay. Thank you, my boy. I love you. Mm, no, Pam, my foot. My foot wants to talk. He said, "Yay to tigers. <laughs> yay <to> tigers. <laughs> <laughs> yay, 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 yay,
3: yay." yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> oh, that was great. Thank you, Otis. And Otis's foot. <laughs> and Otis's foot. And Cheeto, his tiger that he plays with in the bathtub?
3: Yeah, that's what he said.
0: Yeah, okay.
3: <laughs> I think so. I think he told us he his foot wanted to talk. Oh. <laughs> so I assume we heard from his foot as well.
0: Thank you, Otis's foot as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and thank you to his dad, Reed Messerschmidt. He is the creator of The Irrationally Exuberant, which is a podcast that is also art. It's super unique, and you should give it a listen. Yes. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. And until next time.
3: Be nice to animals.
0: You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. Our vocal talent is Carrie McGinnis, Brisk Brisk Creighton. <laughs> Three, two, one.